0: it's on, it's on. You should be ready to go. Yeah, he'll find you. All right, good morning, good morning. You probably wonder, this is a photo of me when I was very young. No, (laughs) that's not true, but you're going to find out why today. Often we uh, connect into these things, sometimes we don't. Not only is it Martin Luther King Jr. weekend and the celebration of the Civil Rights Movement, but it's also Sanctity of Life Sunday, which is interesting. So we want to discuss that today. So we asked Anne to come and to uh, give us a little bit. Anne Hunsinger, who's the director of, at the Women's Resource Center right here in, in Dillon, and you're going to see why that image is up there in just a few minutes. So Anne, yeah, you know you're ready for this,
1: right? Oh, yeah. yes, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, Tell so us for bit. those of you who don't know, Sanctity of Life Sunday, it's always the third Sunday in January. It commemorates the anniversary of the Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion in our country and has resulted in the death of millions of unborn children over the past 42 years.
0: So, that tells us a little bit about it. Yeah. And so, tell us now, what is your your organization and what are you doing about that whole scenario?
1: Yes. I am the director of the Women's Resource Center of the Rockies, and we are a pregnancy resource center and... For the last uh, 42 years, all over the U.S. um, and even um, other countries, there have been hundreds of thousands, millions of of volunteers and staff people in pregnancy resource centers just like ours here in Dillon that have been um, laboring every day, um, um, assisting women (laughs) and men to um, make choices of, of life, to choose life for their unborn children.
0: Mm. Now, how many of you know where the Women's Resource Center is here in town? How many of you? Oh, not everyone. Mm. It's literally right across. You could almost, well, I could hit about a six iron. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> I couldn't hit it with a six iron. But it's right here by the post office. And so it's very close by. And uh, Ann works and has had clients that come in. And they, they walk along the journey with people. So maybe you have yeah. a minute or two to tell yeah. us just a little bit well, about that.
1: Our, our mission is to provide Trusted, caring support to men and to women who are involved in an unintended pregnancy. And we provide a free options counseling, pregnancy tests, and limited ultrasounds. We have a men's mentoring program as well, because I found it's often very effective if I can speak to a woman one-on-one and connect with her, and then rather than having the partner out there twiddling his thumbs in the lobby, I I try to find um, one of our male mentors who is available to um, meet and visit with him. And it's much more effective. So Great.
0: Now, I noticed two things. First of all, I doubt you're using this personally, but no. you could tell us a little bit about that. Also, yes. it might relate yes. to this yes. image. So give yes. us a little bit about okay. how we can help um, and be a part.
1: Well, I just w- our, the reason we have this up here, it's not, not <laughs> Mark's not baby photo, <laughs> though it is the most beautiful baby, and it, it could be Mark. But um, our vision for the future, the very new future, for the Women's Resource Center of the Rockies is to have the capacity to offer ultrasound services right in our center on-site. Currently, they're offered off-site at an outside location at another doctor's office. And it, um, it can make for complications in scheduling. It's not as convenient. And many women do not feel comfortable going to that outside location where it's not as confidential and there you could be and feel they just don't feel safe. So we know that we could better serve our clients because for every um, woman that I do have go over to have an ultrasound at the doctor's, there is another woman who would, if we had it right in our center, she uh, would have received that service, would have felt comfortable and had an opportunity. Uh, so the ultrasound allows the woman the opportunity. And normally... The women that are scanned are not this far along. This uh, it's image is probably <coughs> about 20 weeks at least. <laughs> yeah, um, and most of the women are um, 6 to 12 weeks. They're in their first trimester, and they're trying to make a decision about their pregnancy that they weren't planning on. But God was planning it. So,
0: right. <laughs> Few people know the, tri- the trimesters is actually a, a total invention that happened as a result of Roe Wade. It was an intent to try to categorize. We do things that sometimes surprise me to try to be able to work. Now, one thing I appreciate about Women's Resource Center is that it is in a country where it's legal and it's it's legitimized by the society, so to speak, to have an abortion. This provides an option that isn't anything like what happened at the Planned Parenthood Center in, in Colorado Springs just weeks ago. This is actually a legitimate way to offer services and to help people
1: make well-informed
0: decisions. Now, what's the baby bottle for?
1: Okay. All right. So um, in order to move forward with our vision to expand our services to ultrasound on site, we really need um, support from local churches and our community. And how you can help is, number one, praying for our uh, center, praying for the unborn, praying for those mothers and fathers and grandfathers, aunts, uncles, the friends, you know, all the people that have an influence on this woman's decision. And, um, so, and then, um, we, and praying especially for the doctor that God is preparing to be our medical director. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure who that is at this point, And the nurses that he is preparing their hearts, um, to want to serve by training to become ultrasound technicians. And then, um, meeting with clients in our center excellent so get one of these and the bottle yes Mm -hmm. you could put your prayer in the bottle but (laughs) you can also um, put a gift in the bottle for us you can uh, fill these bottles with spare with coins bills or a check payable to the women's resource center Um, you can put it this bottle in your car in your kitchen in your laundry room anywhere where you empty uh, spare change out of your pockets some people even put it in their restaurant or a place of business to gather donations. And it also raises awareness about the Women's Resource Center and our ministry. Um, and the third way you can help is, is to volunteer. We're always uh, looking for more people who would like to um, train as advocates, meeting with clients, especially um, male mentors, and, um, or who would just like to serve in helping with mailings, newsletters, Maintenance and other assorted duties. Oh, and special events. Special events. A a ladies' tea party, May 1st.
0: Oh, good. I probably won't come, but that's okay. Oh,
1: oh, but (laughs) the men will be involved. Oh. Serving.
0: Serving. (laughs) Okay, maybe I will come. I just heard how that. Did you see what happened there? You saw that, what just happened there. Let's pray together with Ann and for Ann right now in the Resource Center. Lord, we do uh, come, we think now. Um, we take a moment and remember actually help us to never forget that we're in a society that has chosen to uh, legalize the process of abortion and that's never happened before as far as we know that that was a uh, a common made to be a common thing and so we ask for wisdom we ask for courage and grace we're not even sure often how to navigate but for sure As we encounter individuals um, or young families who are uh, trying to make a decision about an unplanned pregnancy, give us grace, give us the sense of how to enter in and be a part of that process. Thank you for the resource that the Resource Center is for specific individuals, and we pray that you would fill them with wisdom, you'd fill them with courage, and also just an understanding of how to prioritize, plan ahead for the future. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: And if you'd like a bottle or a business card or a brochure or an envelope, they are all out on the Welcome Center in the Narthex, and there's a, a baby basket. A baby yeah. basket. That's
0: good. good. That's your notes. Thanks, Ann. Let's give Ann a big hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your work. Uh, Dr. Bill Spear. Come on, you're going to share with us today. We're in this series that's a a very cool series on the festivals of the Jewish calendar through the years. And so uh, that developed. That wasn't something that was static right from Moses' time. They actually developed along. But Bill's going to tell us about the Day of Atonement today, right?
2: That's right. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. I was taking uh, one of our cars down to uh, have the tires checked, down to discount tires. Discount tire, as soon as I say that word, what comes to my mind is a woman that's at least as old as I am, chucking a tire through a plate glass window. If you've seen that, you're aware of it. I got to discount tire, uh, The uh, one of the gentlemen came outside, he looked at the tires on the car and just kind of shook his head and said, these are uh, old and worn out and we're going to need to... Replace them, obviously, and throw these old ones away. And, uh, yeah, I kind of knew that was uh, going to happen. I Went from there. A couple of weeks later, cold weather hit. Battery wouldn't work. Pulled it out of the car, took it down to Big A. Uh, just to have it checked and see. And, and he said, Bill, uh, sorry to tell you, but this battery is old and worn out. And we're going to have to get rid of it. Um, was talking to my wife uh, over the breakfast table, and she looked at me and she said, uh, <laughs> Bill, you're kind of uh, old and worn out looking this morning. You know? And I, I was thinking of that through this last Christmas season and how stressful it can be, how tired people can be. I love Christmas, it's my favorite time of year, actually. Uh, but it is stressful, it is tiring. There is no no doubt about it. And I, I think immediately, of course, of Mary and Joseph going a, a long ways. Uh, a hardship, really, on the back of a donkey for a fully pregnant woman, a full-term woman. And uh, just the tough process there. Often wondered what kind of thoughts and thinking is going through their mind, through that process, through the process of the birth, uh, etc. And we do have... Uh, Some of the uh, words of Mary, as uh, her thoughts are written, you know, you can read in Luke, you can read uh, that passage that's called the Magnificat, you know, uh, and Mary's thoughts are given there about the birth, about the process, about the uh, uh, annunciation, the announcement by the angel to her, uh, to uh, Elizabeth, and. We also wonder, of course, say, what's Joseph thinking this whole period of time? And uh, we do have a few of his thoughts, but not all of them that we would like to have. And I I think of the shepherds, uh, and you wonder, what in the world were they thinking? Uh, We know what their actions were, but it wouldn't have been neat to just kind of hear the backstory in some of these situations. Of um, how they reacted with their neighbors, with their friends. How they went home and tried to convince their kids that an angel had appeared to them. And then they went to this uh, manger scene. And uh, all of that that unfolded there. The thoughts that were inside their minds as a, as a backstory backstory uh, to the Christmas story is just fascinating to me. But have you wondered what Jesus was thinking at that time? You think, well, he was a baby, how could he possibly have been thinking anything? But uh, there are passages in Scripture that actually do give us that, that back story to a certain extent. And I want to share part of that with you uh, this morning in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Listen to this. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, But a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Now that's a remarkable statement. Uh, It comes from Psalm chapter 40. And in that Psalm, uh, Jesus says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Uh, your law is within my heart. Uh, pretty remarkable when you think about uh, uh, the Lord's own story being being talked about there. But you notice the focus; it's on Jesus doing the Father's will. As we look through uh, Scripture in relationship to what Christ has done for us, and of course, the the main focus—not generally at Christmas time, but really. It is the atonement, why Christ came, his main purpose uh, to come into this world as a child, grow as a human being and develop in front of us. It's that sacrifice that's going to take place. As we see uh, 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 them traveling through the desert, we begin to think about uh, the lamb, we begin to think about the sacrifice that's going to take place. And I begin to think of all the things in Scripture that are shadows of what is to come. In Genesis chapter three, we have uh, uh, the picture of Adam and Eve having having sinned. Uh, God uh, actually uh, kills an animal, covers them with the with the skin of the animal. In uh, uh, later on in Genesis chapter twenty two, uh, you remember in, our, in past messages here. Uh, where Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac, as a as a covering, as a propitiation, if you will, of of uh, mankind's sin, of of his own, as a a uh, declaration of his allegiance and obedience to to God's direction and purpose, as well. Uh, but there's a ram that's supplied in place of, and that ram is is uh, slaughtered and his blood spilled and and placed on the altar um, at, at that point in time. And all of these things are a real shadow of the reality to come. You can put up that second slide then if you would. I, as we see this, this uh, sacrifice accepted by God instead of or on behalf of Isaac's son, we begin to think of what sacrifices really are. This is what the Day of Atonement is about. And we'll get to some of the specifics of that as as we go along. Um, Sacrifice displays, first of all, gratitude towards God. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. But pleasing God is our main purpose in life. To please Him, to praise Him. Uh, We display by sacrifice an attitude, of course, of... uh, A contrite heart, a repentant heart, and, uh, of course, for atonement of sin. Um, This next slide is a a, a picture of uh, the uh, tabernacle. And if you'll put up uh, that slide, uh, some of you are very well acquainted with this this kind of thing. Uh, The tabernacle, this is an actual uh, size rebuilt in Timnah in the nation of Israel, uh, and above it is just a sketch of what it looks like. And the process of sacrifice took place uh, in in this particular area for a number of years uh, as well. And, and we think of uh, sacrifice as it, as it happens um, that would take place, for instance, on the altar of burnt offering. The uh, rams would be killed there. The lambs would be killed there. Uh, a bull might be killed there. Uh, Etc., and then the blood would be taken into uh, the holy place, uh, etc. And we think of that, and we think of all the blood that has been spilled in the uh, uh, ritual of sacrifice that the Israelite people were commanded to do. And I don't know how many of you have been around blood that was spilling, Uh, that's been part of my occupation. uh, since I was trained as a veterinarian, uh, we, we see that kind of thing uh, all the time. And for some people, they just, uh, they faint, they fall away, they can't watch it, they can't see it. Uh, we know that the life is in the blood. There's no doubt about that. So if you put up that next slide, uh, as we think about a, the, the life being in the blood, we wonder why is blood emphasized in Scripture. And it's, and it's because of that reason. For The life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Its blood is identified with its life. Now notice that God says very specifically why He put blood in our bodies, which is a remarkable thing, and we could spend Hours, literally, talking about the physiologic phenomena that our Creator has placed in our body. One of the the most interesting parts to me uh, is uh, that uh, the bloodstream provides life-giving nutrients, etc., oxygen, obviously, uh, to the human being. But it's also that the same little tubes carry uh, all of the debris that's left over, the waste material. Uh, If our uh, water supply crosses with our sewers, we all get sick and die. But God has worked it out in our body that this is life itself. And it's a graphic picture of what God has given very specifically so that we can make atonement for ourselves. Uh, This is life itself. It's the picture of life itself in our body. And part of the reason that uh, sacrifice uh, was Given like that is for a covering, which is the idea of atonement. In ancient times, uh, when someone died and you owed them something or they owed you something, uh, the body would be covered with uh, uh, perhaps grain or gold. And that was an offering given that was supposed to atone for the harm that you had done to that individual, and I suppose it would be distributed to the family and that sort of thing. But that idea of covering is the idea, a partial idea of what atonement is. And so we're covered, as it were, uh, by the blood of the Lamb. Well, when we think about uh, this, we think then about Yom Kippur, which comes on the 10th the day of the seventh month, Tishri. In, uh, in the lunar year of Israelite understanding. And so it, it comes about in the, in the fall of the year, either in September or October, depending on how the moon phases have worked. And it varies day to day, but never date to date. The date is always the same. The 10th day. It follows a long period, a 10-day period of repentance that starts uh, with the Feast of the Trumpets. And uh, so we have this long period of repentance, and then we have the Day of Atonement. And I want you to uh, see, get a little picture of what the Day of Atonement uh, really is all about. Um, It's a day when, uh, uh, in uh, Leviticus chapter 23, we read that uh, they were to uh, put aside things, to uh, afflict themselves. Literally, it says, afflict your soul. And people have wondered, what in the world could that possibly be? It's the idea of self-denial or humbling yourself, but mostly the idea of denial. And uh, th- that word soul is so interesting. Uh, it, it has root words that, that mean our, our breath. Um, some translators say that it, well, it has its root word in, in uh, our appetite, what we chew and eat, etc. It has to do with what we take in into our bodies and has come to mean who we are, uh, because without uh, without food, let's face it, we're gone. Without breath, we're gone. And so that's that's one of the means that God has introduced to us to understand uh, this idea of of denial. It came to mean fasting, denying yourself certain things. But that's not the whole emphasis. After all, this is one of the feast days of Israel, uh, and so how can you fast on a feast day? Uh, and that's, that's a, good, a good question. But feast doesn't mean, mean eating food so much as it means paying attention to what gives life and brings life to you. And so that's what the Israelites did for a long period of time. Forty years in the desert. Then uh, eventually they're into uh, uh, the temple that was built during Solomon's time. That was destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt again, and we have Herod's temple, which is a huge version of the tabernacle that was in the desert, and it indeed has a, a, a place of uh, sacrifice in front, and then a, a, around that, a, a court where uh, Gentiles can come, we've had messages on that, and you understand that process, uh, and they, they, that would be a place of prayer for all nations people would gather there uh, as well. And on the Day of Atonement, uh, which uh, was called uh, Shabbat Shabbaton, the idea of being a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And there are several of them during the year, but the Day of Atonement is one of those days. The other day uh, was described in John chapter 19 as uh, uh, the Sabbath of Sabbath. And if that is the picture in John chapter 19 of Christ's death on the cross and his shed blood for us as well. Very appropriate time for Christ to have, have died. The focus of the plan is that work of atonement that, that God has done. Well, a, a little bit of the procedure that went on in this, it became such a process people began to focus on the process and sin rather than on God. It became a ritual that they thought did some good, but they didn't understand that it was to bring them into or back into a full relationship with God. In other words, to, to reconcile them to a God that they have had offended uh, by living their own way, going their own direction, ignoring the uh, a immensity of his perfection and justice and love and atonement was to uh, provide for that uh, as well so uh, the priest would come in it would be the high priest uh, one that was appointed perhaps by the Sanhedrin but in this case uh, in the time of Jesus appointed actually by the Romans uh, which is interesting isn't it to have a, a someone that's a pagan appointing a a a religious leader. But that was the case with the high priest. And he would select from uh, uh, the Levitical tribe, literally, those that were of Aaron's lineage within the Levitical tribe. And he would select one of those to be the high priest, one of the priests from that lineage to be the high priest that year. The high priest uh, would come in and he would change uh, into uh, sacred garments. He'd take off the very... uh, Amazing garments that the high priest wore that were were decked with jewels and and ribbons and various and sundry colors etc. he put on just very plain linen, plain white linen, and uh, he would he would wash and he 'd put this on uh, then he would take incense into the holy of holies. This happened only once a year, and only the high priest could do this and the reason he 'd take the incense in was to have a big cloud formed inside so He would not be able to see God, so he would be able to live. And so he'd take the incense in first, and then they'd slaughter a bull, and he would take uh, the bull's blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the the top of the ark, on the side of the ark, uh, to consecrate uh, the... uh, altar itself, and then uh, bring it into the Holy of Holies. Then he'd go back outside, and uh, there would be two goats present, and he would slaughter one of them and repeat the whole process again. The interesting uh, part of, of this is that the blood wasn't just placed on the altar, it was placed around to consecrate the things that had been defiled by people as well. You remember that passage in Romans that says that the the whole creation will cry out. Uh, It has a part in the effects of the fall. And this was to to image that as well. And then they would go from there to uh, the second goat, uh, and it would be alive and it would be kept alive. And the high priest would walk to the goat and put his hands on, on the head of the goat, and... The process of that was to image, to give you the idea that he was transferring the sin to the goat itself. Then the goat was taken by an appointed person uh, out into the desert and let free out there. Now, the rabbis have said, and tradition says, tells us that often they'd push the goat backwards over a precipice. Now, there's a reason for that. They don't want their sins to come back into the camp. They want them gone forever because that's what it was supposed to symbolize. And it, it, that illustrates how, how we struggle with God's direction and purpose and, and try to, well, this has got to be a little bit, if we do this differently, then it's got to be a little bit better. And hopefully, we can satisfy God if we do, if we do this, if we do that, then we can satisfy God. But the Day of Atonement was a, to be a reflection of, uh, you know, why uh, we're involved uh, with, uh, with, this kind of, with this kind of thing. Why it's happened. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we read that apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The people, I think, thought because they fasted, uh, because there was no washing, no cosmetics, no deodorants, no work, didn't wear leather shoes. As a matter of fact, uh, today, uh, among some Orthodox Jews, on, a, on the Day of Atonement, uh, you lift up the skirts of the priest and you'll see a pair of canvas tinnies under there because they don't want to wear leather. Uh, the idea, I think, came from the... the um, when the ancients would walk on holy ground and they, they would take everything off of their, of their uh, feet. No shoes, no sandals, no anything. And walk there. And we've extrapolated that to mean lots of different things. And so that would take place then on the Day of Atonement. Then and and now. It's the most important day even for Jews that don't celebrate other holidays during the year. The Day of Atonement... Is oftentimes celebrated and taken in into effect if there 's no price that 's paid, if justice god 's justice isn 't satisfied, then there isn 't any reconciliation between God and man there 's no no atonement, no peace, uh, no oneness brought back in together. Um, In the first part of of Romans chapter 5, we read that because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Obviously, the image of this is uh, the idea of Jesus Christ is our atonement, Jesus Christ is our peace. When it talks about him in Scripture, uh, we see that as a shadow of the actuality of his death and resurrection. Something that has happened in in the past in images that we can begin to understand. And as we understand it, it's literally fleshed out in the person of Jesus Christ. Hosea chapter 6, God uh, says, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifices, interesting. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And so you might ask, well, if that's what God wants, why did he institute this whole idea of sacrifice and and all of the rules and regulations uh, that are related to it that we read about in Leviticus 16 and and, uh, chapter 23 as well? Why in the world do we have to go through this thing? I think it's because he understands we humans. We need pictures. We need things painted for us. We need it demonstrated for us. And then we go, oh, okay. Now I can begin to understand. Can you understand the seriousness of sin without getting hit by a two-by-four? It's hard for me. I all of a sudden pay attention when I experience some pain, some suffering, some down, those kinds of things. I Primarily, though, not to bring me into a, oh, I'm going to honor God and praise Him, but to keep Him from hurting me anymore. That's often why we participate in religion, is to keep ourselves on the good side of God so He won't hurt us any longer. And that's so far from why God has given us Jesus Christ. Even though God is just all the time, He's also love all the time. And he's demonstrated that love to us by giving us the person of Jesus Christ. Even when we were yet his enemies, he gave us that. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, uh, we read that Christ, who's called the Righteous One there, uh, is the, is the best one to defend us. Obviously, the only one to defend us, for He is our atoning sacrifice. One of my favorite passages is in Second Corinthians chapter five, where we read, uh, Paul Im- implores us. He says, "We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, because God made Him Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us." That's what the atonement is. All of a sudden, our sin is with Jesus Christ so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In Hebrews chapter 9, we read that Christ appeared as high priest, but through his own blood, he entered into the holy place once for all. So this idea of the high priest going in once a year For the sins of the people. Some places in scripture it reads all the sins. Other places it means it reads uh, their unknown sins. What they haven't figured out. But Jesus Christ has done this once and for all. For all time. For all those that will believe and understand who he is. They're covered by this. We are priests at this point. We could have slide number six. Uh, This has been intended by God. We read in Exodus chapter 19 that God intended the whole nation of Israel to be priests before God. In other words, the idea here is that you think you need a mediator. Oftentimes we want a mediator just to keep the pressure off of us. To keep the, the, maybe the the mediator will solve the problem so I won't feel the hurt and pain that's coming from someone else. And because we've been afraid of God and afraid of Him punishing us, we felt that we need a mediator uh, as well. And the high priest served as that in the temple for a long period of time. But literally, there is now no more need for that mediator. Uh, we are to be committed in both praise and service to God. In First Peter chapter two, we read that we are a royal priesthood. Both in verse four and in verse ten, uh, we are we are now priests before God. That means several things. We have access to God, personal access to God. We don't have to go through a mediator. Because we are in Christ and present with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to be a living sacrifice, Paul says, because of this. We're to be the ones that can go into the holy of holies, go into the presence of God. We can pray and we know Him and who He is so uh, you can put up the uh, last slide if you would slide number 7 when we think then of of, uh, what's happening uh, with this uh, we uh, uh, come to this idea of Yom Kippur which celebrated uh, once a year as well and the shadow of things to come the shadow of Christ in our life the shadow of him being fulfilled literally in his death, in his resurrection, in his acceptance, the acceptance of his sacrifice to God is present uh, in the incarnation. So we roll Christmas right up into the Passover time, the time of Easter, and we put the tool together and we understand that the value of human life is so great and so complete We understand what God has done for us, and we understand that he really values us. We understand that we have not been abandoned. We understand that he sympathizes and understands with us. Last passage that I want to call your attention to is in Matthew chapter 121, uh, where they're told, you shall call his name Jesus, literally, Jehovah saves, for he, Jesus, will take away your sins. God himself has come between us and himself and brought us together as one. Well, let me close with prayer. Thank you, Father, for your guidance, uh, your love for us, uh, for your atonement for us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if the usher would uh, come uh, forward, we'll take an offering. We think of an offering as uh, a, a gift that we can give, and literally that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's something that's given freely uh, because we love Him and are returning to Him a reminder to us of what He has given us as well. Go ahead, Lord.